What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, this is Dirk Nowitzki, and you listen to the Maps Step Back Podcast. Yeah, it's the Mavericks, all about action. Don't do no acting, no Samuel Jackson. Dirk the ball, you know that it's magic. Post move deadly, yeah, it get tragic. Look with the ball, yeah, it get nasty. He'll drop 30, don't gotta ask him. Got Chris Stapps, coach at the Adam, I spaz like Dallas. Seth thought I'm rapping, God. If Lucas shoot the ball, you know that it's cash. But my boy still living the past. Now he got my boy Chris Stapps, looking like Dirk and Nash in the gap. They just wanna ring, wanna fill the gap. On your team head, I ain't talking hats. Dang, I relax, still at the champ. Diva still coming with the calibers flow. The man's the best on the floor. Welcome back to the step back, everybody. I'm Dalton Trigg. I'm joined as always by my co-host and DallasBasketball.com colleague Matt Galatson. And we've got Kirk Henderson with us here tonight. He's an editor at Mavs Moneyball. Uh, You probably know him as Kirk Serious Face on Twitter. Uh, Some people might even know him as the destroyer of my hopes and dreams when it comes to Mavs playoffs and, you know, other, other things of that nature. But anyway, he's here with us. Kirk, how you doing? I'm real well. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. Matt, how you doing tonight? Good, man. Uh, ready to get this rolling and talk about some Mavs and some more crushing of your dreams. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that seems to, be a, seems to be a theme at this time of the year, especially when you know the Mavs are falling like they have been. But they actually got off of their five-game losing streak last night. They beat the Indiana Pacers, third team in the East, uh, 110-101, Luka had a really good game, Brunson had a really good game, uh, Dirk, he hit some really big shots in the fourth quarter, and, uh, you know, earlier that morning, I had posted on DallasBasketball.com an article explaining the lottery odds and rationalizing a Mavs organic tank and all that, and who would have thought that's all it would have taken, that's all it would have took to get the Mavs to, you know, go back into the win column. <laughs> oh, and that, like, they, they actually played real basketball. It, it was a, 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 a game where everyone seemed to play with a little bit of passion. You know, Luca had five first uh, half turnovers, which, uh, uh, I, I, like, my inner Rick Carlisle was screaming. But then the second half, they really, you know, seemed to, to get it all together and pull away from a team that is really playing well in the Pacers. The, the thing about the Pacers is that they're, they're missing Oladipo as well. So they're filling in Wes Matthews for Oladipo, and he's, you know, hitting 44% from three or whatever, and they're still winning games, and they're still staying at third in the East. And the Mavs just came out and beat a really good team, and, you know, having lost a few games against real, you know, terrible, terrible basketball teams here in the last – not all – you know what I mean. I mean, it's just – it's nice to see them get a good win when they're on such a, you know – tough losing streak but also to um to crush dalton's article on the day that it was written was also something kind of special well and i mean i i, I won't i won't get too carried away with it i mean i know it's it's just one win but man it, it was an impressive win even if they didn't have oladipo and that was my that was one of my favorite uh moments you you mentioned uh west matthews taking oladipo's place with indiana that was one of my favorite parts of the game. Even even past Dirk hitting some big buckets and, you know, Brunson having a good game and Luka doing his thing, but specifically Luka taking it to Wes Matthews after some of those pregame comments he was making. It was, it was awesome. <laughs> I think my favorite part was really, you know, I bagged on Wes harder than any play. Well, that's not, I bag on every player. What are we talking about? You know, the, the, the office gift of, of his turnovers was really, it was really just a go-to move for me during games this year. And then just see, be able to use it, but it was the, on the other team was just, it was really rewarding. You know, the fact that the, that the Pacers let uh, him guard Luca just like he has this defensive reputation that isn't matched by reality. Like the guy just can't move laterally anymore. So to see him get cooked by Luca, you know, was a lot of like it was just, like low key very rewarding. Like part of my 
uh, you know, lizard brain thinks that he chose the Pacers because the Mavericks were still on the schedule. But, you know, it's, it's interesting. Like, the Pacers are just kind of one of those teams, like, like kind of an aspirational team for the Mavs to, to look to because they just have a bunch of guys that play really well together. And then to see Dallas come out and do that themselves was really what, what I got a kick out of because, you know, we've been kind of talking back and forth for, I don't know, the better part of a month now that we thought that the team got better by subtraction with, you know, losing 80% of the old starting lineup. That hasn't been the case in wins losses, but they feel better. And like last night was the first game really since the trade where everything came together nicely. I mean, what, what are the Pacers in the East? Like, are they fourth or fifth? Third. Jeez, so we just beat, like we beat a playoff team and we beat the crap out of a playoff team. So like that was pretty fun. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And I, you know, it, I kept thinking, you know, Wes had twenty points. So I mean, it's not like he 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 didn't have a a bad game by any means for for the Pacers. But you know, there was a lot of games where he put up those kind of numbers for Dallas this season. But you know, he still had some some plays here and there, some bad turnovers, some Stanley from the office dribbling you know <laughs> episodes that that we've we've made fun of on Twitter sometimes. So I mean he he had some of those moments especially in the fourth quarter that I think really uh, put it over the top for the Mavs, but overall it was fun. Um you know his, it it was good to see how his hair has grown. Lord, that that was that was something. I it was eating his headband, his ninja turtle headband. So he doesn't even look like the same West that was in Dallas, but overall, fun win, and uh, it delayed the the organic tanking at least for a little bit there. But uh, well, can, I, can I talk about? I, I want to talk about your article real quick because one, I really liked it because I ever since getting Porzingis, I basically have like stopped hoping because I like it feels greedy at this point. But it, last year when we were kind of doing this with with Luca and anything related to it. It was so ridiculous because the Mavs came out of the uh, All Star break and won four of ten games, um, and it was. It, I, I remember like having like a panic attack, and I wrote this ridiculous article about the fact that they needed to commit <laughs> to tanking, you know, which which you know, felt insane to write at the time, being the Mavericks, and then they lost like 12 of 14 to finish the year and one of the most like magnificent tanking performances of NBA history because shouldn't they I, I feel like last year they were supposed to have won like nine or ten more games than they actually did based on their point differential so like that's almost spoiled us for what to expect if the Mavericks try to do anything like that because I don't know if they can the team's just too much like it's too talented this year in comparison I think another thing that you have to think about kind of is that you know, it's it's going to be really hard. Even if you're tanking and you're doing your best, the, the, their schedule is not that difficult down the stretch. I mean, they still play they still play Memphis three times. You know, <laughs> among, among among other among other you know just you know some some easy part of their schedule. So it, it's you can't even when you're tanking, you can't expect to lose. Like they're not going to lose 25 games in a row. So and it, it's it's also gonna it's gonna help the team kind of grow and feel better together when they beat teams like Indiana like this, and so I think in the long run it's kind of a good thing because like it, it keeps people excited seeing what they can do, but and as, as well as the team, but it also you know it's 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 just gonna happen sometimes you know is if is they can't commit to tanking like they did last year like you said as well because they're like you said also they're just too good you know it, it's luca makes it so hard to lose games sometimes he just he's too good to do that. well and and think about it and if, if you look at what a you know i look back at some of the past uh draft lotteries and the mavs even with that you know tank effort that they had last season they ended up with the uh the third best odds to win the lottery, they moved back to fifth to the, you know, they had the fifth pick, but then you look at Sacramento, uh, 2017, they had the, uh, the eighth, pick. no, it was eighth. eighth. Yeah. And it, they moved up to third and that eventually, I think, I don't know who had that pick, but it, anyway, it eventually ended up with Boston getting Jason Tatum. And then the next year they had the seventh best odds and they moved up to three again and they got Bagley. So, I mean, you know, I I think people want to tank to the extreme, but I don't think it's it's really necessary because it's really a crapshoot. I mean, 
just send Luca to the lottery. Like you know that Kirk, you're currently campaigning for that with your your screen name on, on Twitter right now. But I, I really believe that. Like send Luca to the lottery, and something good's bound to happen. What was the? What was the? Uh, there was something in your article, like a term where you were like, it was, it was the description for like if you believe that your luck is actually going to change at some point. What was that called? Oh, uh, shoot! I have to look it up. <sighs> The, the argument is at some point or another you have to actually move up or you you actually you have to win if you keep playing long enough and oh like, oh yeah you've uh never moved up. talking about you're you talking about like playing the slots at a casino yes yeah yeah i mean you you you, you have to put so many coins in the machine before you actually win i mean it, it's bound to happen at some point and the mavs we we talked about this the other day they haven't ever moved up in the lottery in the team's history so I mean, it it's bound to happen sometime. It might as well be this year. I mean, it maybe it won't be, but hopefully it will be. Yeah, and that's kind of where my like that's where my head is in in terms of all that stuff because if you know even even like Brian Windhorst today was talking about it on the the uh, collective podcast where he says you know if the Mavericks move up to the seventh worst record move up that's the wrong way to phrase it but you know what i mean <laughs> then they have something like is it a 33 percent chance to jump into the top four like that's wild yeah they're they're three games separated from memphis right now or i guess that might be four after memphis lost and mavs won but uh when they're at, i think they're at like 26 percent right now and if they catch up to memphis it jumps up to 32 percent and if they catch up to washington it jumps even more Yes, thirty seven so. if, if they if they can get to that sixth spot, it'd be thirty seven point two percent to land in the top four, and then they'd have a nine percent chance at the overall pick. So uh, that I mean, that yes. would, that'd like, be huge. And they and they have like a point six percent chance of making the playoffs. <laughs> so it's 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 kinda like, okay, we gotta at least start to play our odds at some point here. Right. Yeah, and that that was gonna be my next thing. You know, a lot of fans they they get on board with the organic tanking stuff. And I mean, even I've done that here lately because like we mentioned before, my, my playoff hopes, they're just shattered. But, uh, even then I, I don't, I don't agree with like Philadelphia 76ers tanking, you know, a few years back because I think that's what, you know, really hurts the, uh, the culture of your team. But I mean, doing what the Mavs are doing, they basically just traded all their starters, you know, even if it is addition by subtraction, uh, you know you're you're not going to just start winning right off the bat with a bunch of new players. You have to build chemistry, and uh, so I mean, it, that's why we call it organic tanking because they have the talent there, but uh, to win a few more games. I, I, we talked about it earlier, Kirk, uh, a few weeks ago about how you expected them to play 500 basketball after the trade. Do you are you still following that? I mean, I, I, I can see it. I, I, I don't, you know, some of some of Coach Carl's rotations have gotten a little wonky where Luca's sitting a little bit longer than I think he normally would. His minutes have kind of gone down since the All-Star break. Not too much, but I want to say it's like two or three minutes after he was playing as much as 35 minutes a game. And little things like that end up affecting the outcome. So I don't, I, I've kind of walked back from that. But you just, which, what, we're, what I'm seeing is... These pieces like Dorian Finney-Smith, Tim Hardaway Jr., Dwight Powell, really making a case for some part of the rotation next year. And that's what we have now that we really didn't have last year in terms of what to watch for. Um, you know, the, Some of these guys were still on the team, but the team was just not really moving forward in a, in a strong enough direction. So it's almost like... I really am reveling in the wins like last night, even though it's not great for like their lottery odds because it was you could like see things that are going to translate directly into next season. Right, Matt. What were your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I like what Kirk said, and I agree about the you know the developing the players uh, in, in terms of you know Dorian and Maxi and and Dwight and and now Jalen Brunson. I mean, last year it was, it was we were watching um, like Kyle Collinsworth and Jameel Warney and all these players who like in the back of our heads we kind of knew weren't going to be there. We're just like, yeah, I mean, this is nice, but what are we really doing here? And now it's just like you, you kind of have to have that balance. And it, I don't know if, if 
if 500 basketball was ever really on the table um, after the all-star break or after the trade rather, but you can see, you can see how, if you really just watch the games, you, you can see how they've gotten better in, in multiple areas, but the one, the areas that are really affecting the games the most, in my opinion, are where, and I, we all bagged on them earlier, but like where DeAndre Jordan is now missing specifically in rebounding they're just getting crushed rebounding and that's that's been a bit that's been a big thing for them losing games lately and I know a lot of DeAndre's rebounds were with nobody around or whatever but you still gotta you still gotta be able to grab those and for the most part you know I I think that the chemistry that these guys are building especially with with Tim Hardaway Jr. and Luka is gonna kind of it's good. It, you're not going to really see it pay dividends until you know October, November next year. But it's it's what the work they're putting in now is going to make a difference. Yeah, and like like Kirk said about uh you know player, you can see players starting to really uh, take on these defined roles. And I think you know everybody has has labeled the Clippers as a as a big free agency player this summer. Because, you know, they have all these really nice role players and, you know, it, it, it just seems like a a good team if a star wanted to join it and have a really good supporting cast and everything. Well, I mean, if you look at the Mavs, they have the potential for a little bit of that too. The only difference is they have, you know, Luka. <laughs> so, you, well, you they're, people... they're absolutely the better situation. Like, it's not even a question for me because – you know, we, we've done this as Dallas fans. We did this in 2012, 2013, 2014, where it's like, look, we've got a good framework. If only someone would join us. And, you know, granted, L.A. is a little bit of a different situation, but you, know, you got you have uh, at least two or three reasonable rotation pieces that you could have in a top eight, Luka Doncic and Chris Daps Porzingis. That's good. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's really good. I, I think if – if they stay healthy, and I mean, I know there's the there's a chance that Porzingis might have a you know a minutes restriction starting out, but I mean, if they stay healthy, and even if they don't hit a home run in free agency, even if they just you know add a couple of second tier guys or or you know just some useful players to add to their depth and everything, I, I think they're they're going to be a playoff team next year, and I mean, I really truly think that that's more of a certainty than you know way more than what it's been these last two years because as good as Luca's been he's going to get better and I mean if if Porzingis is healthy you know they're being cautious keeping him out now and they're hoping to you know strengthen his his core and his lower body so he doesn't have any more hopefully doesn't have any more issues going forward but I mean I don't think he's going to have as much rust as as people think he will coming out of the gates well, expectations are going to be lower. This will be the first time since he's been in the NBA where he's not necessarily required to be the guy. And and that, you know, like that being able to ease a guy like that back into a role, you know, as as everybody starts to figure themselves out next year is is really a luxury. You know, I, I told you when we've when we've talked before that like my kind of ceiling, you know, if he plays 65 games next year, I'm going to be thrilled. Because you know, one, that's more than he's played in a while. But two, it means that 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 what Dallas has tried to do is brought him along. And I think that like when you look at the overall framework and what they're building up right now, like playoffs is you know I give you grief about this and before, but like I'm with you. Like playoffs is the new goal. Um, it, it might be quite a, a game jump, you know. Like I, who knows if they figure if they finish with like 33 wins and they add. You know, they need to add 11 more next year, and that just doesn't happen that often. Maybe this is going to be one of those times where it actually happens. Well, I kind of want to go back to the whole the the whole L.A., the Clippers being a destination. I mean, are they really that much of a destination, or is it just because they're in L.A.? I don't see how – I just don't see how it, like, how you can look at the Mavericks in Texas – where there's no state income tax, by the way. Shop, you know, free agents just here. Right that. But <laughs> – where you have Luca and you have Chris Stapps, two young stars, and then you have, you know, like Kirk said, the the role players like Maxi and and Dorian and guys that will fit in immediately and help your team. But like the Clippers have, like, Shy Gilgis Alexander and like Los Angeles. Like I don't, I don't see what I don't see what's so appealing about that. I don't see why everybody always has to put L.A. in the top tier 
free agent, you know, destination spots. It doesn't make sense. Even the Lakers. Matt, how dare you skip over versus Mavs all-star uh, Harold? <laughs> can't even think Montrez of his first Harrell. name. Montrez Harold. Oh, man. That, that, that guy's the dude, all right? He was uh, unbelievable. He averages, he averages he six, 16 points per game on the season. I think he shoots like 62, 63% or whatever. And... I don't even remember what it, he had like 32 or 30, 33, 34 points. And it was like 14 of 17 from the field. Like, Oh yeah. And he was laughing the whole game. Here's a, here's a trivia thing for you. And the only reason I know this is because I covered him in summer league years and years ago. And it's just stuck in my head. So he's six foot seven. How, how big do you think his wingspan is? Seven, seven four. Good Lord have mercy. <laughs> That is why he was just like mauling because he—it's he, like okay, he's able to dunk, yes, but he's also he has go-go gadget arms to reach out. Anyways, I agree with what you're saying about about Los Angeles. It is a little bit wonky. I mean, I think Kawhi Leonard wants to go there to go there, but otherwise, at, at this point, it's got to be about situation. And I, you know, it's one thing if a super duper star doesn't want to come play with Dallas, but if you're a a second or third tier or kind of like a role-player free agent who wants to make some money, the Mavericks have to be on your list next year because they're just going to be they're going to be fun. I mean, if anything, I really hope Dallas doubles down on the offense and we roll out like a 2003-2004 style team that just punishes people by scoring all the points. But, you know, past that, I'm just like, if this is just, like, this is the best situation we've ever been in going into an offseason. Yeah, I definitely yeah. agree with that. Matt, look, okay, let's 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 say this. You know, the Mavs, even before we even get to the the draft lottery and go through the draft, and you know, you have that week of, uh, you have that week of like dead space b- between the the draft and July first. But let's just say when we get to the lottery, that the Mavs do look up and they get the number one pick. Is there any player? in the NBA right now that might be available, you know, it can't be just some, just anybody that's in a good situation doesn't want to leave. But is there a player that's realistic that you would even consider trading the number one pick for Matt? Start with you. Uh, we, we texted about this the other day. I think we, we might've discussed on Twitter a little bit and somebody brought up Anthony Davis and I still say no. I mean, you might call me crazy, but I, I think you made a good point. Uh, on Twitter the other day, Dalton, when you said I, you know, you take n- eight to nine years of contractual control over Zion, rather than risk Anthony Davis coming in here and then leaving after a year, um, I don't know that if I mean I haven't really watched a whole lot of college basketball this year because other than you know what I do for work because frankly I think college basketball is terrible, but <laughs> but it you know from what I've seen Zion's pretty special he might not be you know. Uh, a guy you can build your entire franchise around necessarily like like Luca or like LeBron or whatever but you kind of <clears throat> you, you I don't know who you could possibly rationalize trading him for um, or trading that pick for that would eventually end up being him unless you know it's the Knicks or the Kings picking and they take RJ Barrett or Cam Reddish first because they're stupid but like I, I, I just can't think of anybody well, I, I, I can't really think of anyone either, but, I mean, the, here's the thing with Anthony Davis. If if they did do that, and I've, you know, it kind of scares me because it, it does seem like a, like a Mavs kind of thing to do, but if he were to sign an extension, I could, I could rationalize, you know, with that. I, I, I could be okay with that, uh, at least until Zion becomes a, superstar and they have to play new orleans four times a year and it ends up being really bad but anyway if if he signs the extension i i could see that because then you've got a superstar in his prime uh for the duration of luca's rookie contract and a little bit further past that so i I could see that but other than that like other anybody other than Anthony Davis, I can't I can't see doing it, and I w- I still wouldn't do it unless, uh, like I said, AD is willing to sign the extension to stay in Dallas, and even then it's iffy. So, Kurt, what's your thoughts on that? I, I agree. I, I agree with Matt. It, it, he 
I saw some some of the advanced data on him. I, I was looking for it on Twitter while you guys were talking. But Zion, in terms of, of what some of the advanced data is showing, he, he's the best prospect of the last 20 years where we have data on him. He's good at everything. Part of why you hear a lot of, of uh, national NBA pundits talking about how they will take they would take him over Luca, which I think is crazy, is because of his defensive potential. Uh, he's he's just I, I I also and this is a, a little bit of a minor thing that I've I've come to adopt this last year. I don't think the Mavericks will talk to a clutch sports client ever again. Um, <laughs> I really I really mean that. Like I, I think that what they you know the stuff that they pulled with. Um, with our guy last year, uh, paired with all this LeBron stuff, it's it's not. I just don't even think it's a question. You know, they don't. From from what I from what I've kind of you know seen and talked to, like Clutch Sports does not operate. You know, I hate the phrase in good faith, but Clutch Sports just makes demands, and Dallas just doesn't. You know, they want to work with people. You know, we've seen it over the years, the Bill Duffy clients, the the, the things that go back over the years. They want to work with agents to make that they don't. They don't accept kind of that sort of thing, so I don't think it would even be a chance. Plus, like, the marketing potential, if they were to sign, or if they were to be able to draft Zion, the marketing potential for Zion and Luka Doncic is not something Cuban would ever be able to pass up. I mean, it's you're talking 10 years of dominance. Maybe not, you know, championships, but just being all over the NBA. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it. he's definitely one of the best collegiate prospects i've ever seen uh i haven't looked at all the advanced data like like you were talking about but you know the the data to me is watching him take off from the paint and blocking a three-point shot in the corner <laughs> that I, mean, is, it's uh, I saw somebody describe him it's like what it's what would happen if you put like like larry johnson as a baby in a cave with hardcore metal and just like left him there for 20 years <laughs> Like he's just it's it's and it's also like watching him jump is is almost like watching like something out of Harry Potter because he just arrives at the ball. I I don't it's you know we you know how excited we were like watching Dennis dunk because like that was just incredible like watching how high he would get but you would also like see the explosion. I still don't understand how how uh, Zion's able to get where he gets because it just it, it doesn't seem to like it violates the laws of physics. It's amazing. Anytime somebody moves so so you know so fast and so powerful that they explode their shoe, <laughs> like you you know that it's you know that he's a pretty you know decent athlete. But also imagine the like you mentioned the marketing potential, but imagine the free agency draw if they do you know strike you know strike twice in 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 the you know the lottery you know the next couple of years like. If they have a, a combo of Luca and Zion and Kristaps, like if you're a free agent who's you know, you know, trying to find the right place like KD or Kyrie, how do you not just like look at that and be like, oh my god, this team is set up for the next fifteen or twenty years? You know, the, you know, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility that the Mavs could end up with Zion if that happens. Like you said, it does make them an even more attractive free agency destination. How depressed is the New York Knicks fan base going to be if all that <laughs> if all that happens? You know, we we got Chris Stops and bring me their tears. <laughs> you know, we got Chris Stops. He was their franchise player, and uh, you know, yeah, the the majority of the fan reaction I've seen is, "Oh, good riddance. He was a diva anyway." I, 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 well, I mean, come on. He was a good player, and they didn't even get to see how he how he looked coming back from that injury. So I mean, that hurts. And then you've got they're hoping all season to to tank and add Zion Williamson and then add Kevin Durant. Well, I mean, imagine if that if that's the reverse scenario where the Mavs end up with Porzingis, Zion, and KD. I don't think that's going to happen. But if it did, it would just it would be hilarious to you know see the the fallout from New York. And then and then the Knicks end up with Dennis Smith Jr. and Frankie Smokes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, come on. I, I would love that. I, I hate I, – the Knicks are one of those teams that I just can't stand. And, like, a lot of that has to do with who's the annoying um, 
the annoying guy with the red hair that it's the comedian Michael Rappaport. Like I I can't stand that dude, and it just just his reaction alone would be worth it for me. Well, they also haven't mattered the entire time. Like Dirk's been in the NBA, I want to say they've made the playoffs like twice his rookie year, and then that year, and then that year where Tyson was there. Like they're just irrelevant. And I have I I I personally loathe big you know old big market teams that get media coverage for the sake of of, of existing. You know that that sort of stuff drives me nuts. Right, like when yeah. uh, when the Anthony Davis rumors were were flying uh around the trade deadline uh there was a quote from ad where he he called the new york knicks a a, a great or a, an awesome a franchise yeah a great organization and i was thinking D- listen to what you're saying <laughs> it's like dude what the hell have you been watching the last 25 years like since you since you've been alive they have not been good and then and then is uh well it doesn't reflect his thoughts obviously but his dad coming out and saying that you know he wouldn't even consider boston it's like well i mean <laughs> that's a far better organization than new york you should be considering boston if you want to win but anyway well i'm just of the opinion kind of going off what kirk said a little bit i'm just kind of of the opinion that the nba is actually better when the lakers and the knicks are terrible that's just my opinion but whatever. Well, it makes for a much more uh entertaining online experience at the very least yes but uh you know, we, we were talking earlier about, or Kirk said that he doesn't think the Mavs are ever going to deal with a clutch sports client going forward, and you mentioned Billy Duffy. Well, going into this summer, whether it's some kind of trade or whether it's free agency, Matt and I have been talking about this for weeks now. Uh, Goran Dragic is one of his his favorite players right now he not just because he you know he played with Luca but the dude's actually pretty good too I mean he's he's 32 years old but he's got one year left on his deal if he opts in he's got a player option for this summer but he's also a Billy Duffy client as Luca is and you know they played with each other for the Slovenian national team and I don't know it just it, it kind of feels like He's meant to be a maverick. I don't know. Uh, Kirk, I mean, uh, what are your thoughts on Drogic? I've been a big fan of the guy for a long time. I I saw Matt talking about how, they, how, how you know, he might possibly, you know, get to Dallas one way or another. Um, this, is, this falls under the category of I, 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 right now I'm in the headspace of I can't think too far ahead because it's like, there's just too many paths and it, it like overwhelms me. And then all of a sudden I've been online staring at tweets for 90 minutes. Um, but in terms of him as a player and the idea, it, I really like uh, any sort of chemistry. And the fact that those two have it matters more than money in a lot of circumstances. You know, we keep talking about wanting to find guys who fit the timeline. I don't necessarily think that's a thing anymore. I think that you, if you have your two core players, then you need to start finding pieces that fit around, and then you mix and match. So if you can get him on, you know, if, if, if he has space on his deal or not, I honestly don't know, you, then you just kind of take that chance because I think that the Mavs would be really good with another really solid ball handler. He's that kind of second playmaker that we keep talking about. Like, that would be worth it for me. Matt, what do you – I mean, I, I already know that – Drogic is your guy, but uh, I mean, how do you if you if he does become a Maverick this summer? What do you think? How do you think that will happen? You think they make a trade for him? You think maybe they you know they have a deal under the table? You know, you opt out and we'll sign you to this. I mean, what what are you thinking there? Well, I kind of liken it to the DeAndre Jordan situation last year, where he was on the last year of a deal. He was in a player option, and we didn't know whether he was gonna resign or you know exercises option or whatever the term is and then <clears throat> go back to LA and then we would trade for him or whether or not he would just opt out and we would pay him his money I think this I think the same kind of situation applies to Drogic here because I think I mean he talks about Luca on Twitter all the time he's a he's a Bill Duffy client they won a championship together in you know in, in EuroLeague or Eurobasket or whichever one it was and <clears throat> If he wants to be here, he'll be here, whether it's through a trade or opting out and they sign him. That's a really good point. 
I mean, if they, if they, you know, if they want to trade for him, they have that trade exception that they can use if they want to, or they, you know, they can move Dwight Powell to, to help whatever. I'm not sure exactly how that structure would work, but it's easy to make that happen. But it's also, if, you know, if, if he wants to be here, he can just opt out and we can, we can give him the money he wants, or if he wants to take less, it just, it really just depends. Like, cause what fish always talks about is that, is that agents always, you know, they run the league. If, if a player wants to be somewhere, they figure out how to get their client there and that's how it works. And if he, if he wants to be here, Billy Duffy will get him here. Let's let me, let me ask you all this talking about Billy Duffy clients and, you know, knowing what the potential price tag would be for either, do you think it's fair to say that Drogic is more of a possibility this summer than than Vucevic? Yeah, I mean, I, I've been really thinking long and hard about what Dallas needs and the the what like the price tags for you know I, I believe Dallas needs a secondary ball handler and somebody to grab rebounds because like Luca is a better rebounder than Kristaps and we just can't you know long term Luca can't be averaging eight and a half rebounds a game he's uh, he's gonna exhaust himself so I think they need a secondary ball handler and a rebounder and in terms of mark like what the market is a ball handler and a playmaker is simply more expensive than a rebounder you know you always get these one off guys but what you know uh, what Vooch brings to the table is a lot of things, but I'm just I'm not convinced that's the best use of resources, particularly if he's kind of hunting for one last big deal. I mean, that's just kind of where my head is. But you know, both would end up working. I mean, both fit my time, like my idea of let's put as many players on the floor who can score the crap out of the basketball. So. While while we're discussing, you know, free agents and and you said. Uh, you know, you mentioned secondary ball handler and all that stuff. You mentioned to me the other day that you had you had kind of turned around a little bit on your your, your stance on Jimmy Butler. What's up with that? You you were like you were so against him earlier in the season, and that just came out of nowhere the other day. You you got to walk me through that. Oh God! And the Mavs Moneyball Slack just berated me. <laughs> I had like six hours worth of messages, like people who have. Uh, the staff yelling at me about this so basically it, i i kind of had heard stuff going back to the summer that he was a horrendous jerk and you know i, I started talking about that in the season because a lot of our our fans seem to really want him and then you know i put put that out there he's a jerk people didn't believe me and then you know everything that since has happened and it's pretty clear that he's a jerk now I also think that he's in Philadelphia, and it doesn't seem like they want to re-sign him from from a lot of the stuff that I've I've looked into. And if that's the case, he's going to get money from somebody. But I think the likelihood of him getting a max from anyone is almost zero unless it's like, one of the like the Knicks or the Lakers just scrambling. Now, and now if that's the case, it might be like a max money, but he's not getting the years. Everyone's afraid of his knees. So at that point, I, my head was I was thinking if you could sign him to a two or three year deal at a few million under what he wants, is that worth it? Now everybody, so many people have yelled at me that I think I'm probably wrong about this. But at a certain point, like you just kind of have to assess value. And if, if he's that much of a locker room cancer, then the answer is no, regardless. But I just I can't shake it the same way the same way you couldn't early in the season. Right. I mean, I, Matt. Before I give my thoughts on that, what what are your thoughts on Jimmy Butler? Have you you think he's just a locker room cancer? You know, and the Mavs shouldn't touch him, or what do you think about that idea? Well. I'm not really sure if he's a locker room cancer or not. I mean, obviously, um, we don't cover the guy, but the organizations that he's been in previous to Philadelphia aren't exactly like shining shining examples of like excellence. <laughs> you know, Minnesota <laughs> and put it nicely are basically carbon copies of, of each other. They're just like dysfunctional, terrible places. So I don't know how much you can really judge Jimmy Butler based on that. I mean, yeah, he's very outspoken and probably says some things that he shouldn't say, but like, you know, whatever I'd be, if, if it's like what Kirk said and they're going to give him like a two or three year deal, like under, you know, a few, few million under what he's asking for. 
then I'd, I'd certainly be for it, especially if you're able to go out and sign other guys around him, like a Drogic or, or Drogics or whatever, who, you know, still fill out that roster in a way that make you better, and then you you save that thirty million in cap space and you give it to you give it to Jimmy. I, I don't I don't think that's a bad move. I think that's a really good move, and I think it immediately puts you at the top of the Western Conference. Well, and 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 like Kirk said, there there's a People are concerned about his knees. You know, Thibs ran him into the ground uh, in Chicago and in in Minnesota too, really. But uh, you know, the guy turns thirty before next season begins. But you know, like Kurt mentioned earlier, it's not really about signing people to to match a you know a certain timeline anymore that's the thing with Luca he's when when you're trying to make moves to add you know bigger pieces that fit a fit a younger timeline it's usually because the younger players aren't as developed and you know it's not like a win now situation it's a win now situation with Luca you know he's far beyond what your your average 20 year old now can't can't say he's 19 anymore Happy birthday to him, but <laughs> but uh, you know it's just a different situation. They don't have to go out and sign other twenty-year-olds, twenty-one-year-olds. Uh, you can take a, a chance on a Jimmy Butler, like like if it is a two or a three-year deal. I don't I don't think that hurts them. I mean that's 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 kind of it. It's 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 not like he's going to be their first priority. I mean we all remember the summer of twenty sixteen. Harrison Barnes was not on the radar, and then he was the franchise. So. <laughs> You never know what can happen in free agency, depending on the money available. Yeah, that that was a weird summer, um, and it was kind of you know indicative of what the Mavericks had been doing the, the few summers before that. Also, you know the West Matthews signing and all this just like these terrible big money for no you know for not no not really any value, and it's they're in a position now where I think that I really don't think that's going to happen again and. If they strike out on all the K's, you know, Kyrie and Kevin and Clay and all, you know, all the other all the other ones, then you know, Jimmy Butler is a very viable option, and I, I I like him as a player, and he he does a lot of things that they need. I mean, you mentioned rebounding, Kirk, and you also mentioned <clears throat> having a secondary playmaker. They also need a perimeter stopper. They don't have that. I mean, they have Dorian, and you know, and Jimmy Butler does bring that. So he's another thing that you need. Yep. Well, and you know, say say they don't get Jimmy Butler, and if you if you want to add some some three point shooting, some size, some perimeter defense, what? How do you got? How would y'all feel about you know doing a, a second tier combo of Boyan Bogdanovich and Al Farouk Aminu, who are both unrestricted free agents this summer? Because that's something I've been thinking about a lot. Some people have said, well, if you're going to re-sign Dorian Finney-Smith, why would you sign Aminu? And I'm thinking, like, why would that be a bad thing to have both of them? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, then, like, like no, no offense to, to Coach Carlisle, but at a certain point you have to take away the guys, you know, the, the things that, that he goes to. And one of his favorites is six-foot-tall guards. And so I would love if Dallas could play a series of lineups that had reasonably tall people. So, I, I mean, and plus, Amino really got his career back on track in Dallas. So, why not? And, you know, Bogdanovich, and I always get them confused, but, you know, I'm fine with either Bogdanovich. Like, that would be, that would probably be, like, like honestly, the better team-building move because you bring in guys who, who really know what their roles are going to be based on what we were talking about earlier. It feels like you you have a lot of, like, reasonably interchangeable pieces. That could be fun. I mean, that, that sounds like a lot of fun. That would probably be, like, the plan A in my head. I don't know if you can call that a plan A necessarily. I mean, obviously, plan A would have to be something that is you're you know you're you're going for it whatever but as far as the most realistic and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah. It, 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 i mean it's you know it is what it is but i as far as aminu goes he you know he's another one of those guys that he's he's like a bigger version of dorian and i think he shoots better so i mean bring him in or or you know i think bohan is is uh is one of the better shooters in the eastern conference if you know in the nba so that's another thing that they need right there is somebody who can actually knock down shots. Like they don't have a, a guy who can knock down shots on this team. 
other than Luca and I guess hopefully Chris Stapps once he gets back. God, you know, speed recovery, please, sir, because we need you. And, and I mean, as far as if they go, if they swing for the fences and, you know, they try to get a meeting with KD or Kawhi or whomever, you know, if they, if they uh, get the sense that they're not going to have a real chance to get one of those type players, you have to move on quickly. And I think, like I said, that's just my personal, you know, second-tier preference, you know, Boyan Bogdanovich and Al Camino. I think that would be amazing. Uh, the team would be extremely fun next year, in my opinion. But, I mean, I also think of, uh, you know, the Mavs hired Bob Volgaris uh, before this season started. And I don't – I think when the season started, he didn't have as much – uh, say in things, you know, he's still kind of getting a feel for the organization and uh, getting comfortable and everything. But in my opinion, I think he had something to do with the Mavs trading for their five starters. I think they they finally looked at the analytics and they finally just decided it's time we're gonna go a different direction. And I, I really think he had a big say in that. Uh, I think he would have a similar say this summer because, I mean, that's what they hired him for to, uh, you know, to give his give his advice on stuff like that. I think they'll look at the advanced numbers, see, you know, take Boyan Bogdanovich, for, for example. You know, when you look at when you look at his advanced stats, he's just naturally one of those plus type players. You know, he plays good things happen. Uh, I think we're going to see some of those type of moves this summer. What do you think? Kurt. That's that's like I, I that's that's my hope for the realistic options. I know and, and I'm sure David Lord is probably either writing on it or written about it. I've not seen anything yet, but like with the thirty million, the Mavericks kinda need to do things in a certain order, right? Because, you know, the, their goal probably is to sign certain people and go over the cap because they have that they have that right. That's one of the, the benefits right. of the restricted free agents. So they're going to have to make decisions in a hurry. So if certain people are interested in playing out the process, let's just say, let's just use Kevin Durant as a pie-in-the-sky example. If Kevin Durant feels like stringing out the process and, and you know wanting to be courted in free agency, I would bet the Mavericks would move on from him faster than wait around for five days while other free agents sign deals. And that is, and if that you know is the case, if they if the Mavericks decide to move on from some of the big fish that they'd like to make their pitches to, then you know they I think they stand a pretty good shot at getting some of these realistic guys because you know there is going to be a lot of money on the market, but I think so many of these. You know, the Mavericks could really be kind of one of those teams that swoops in and purchases and, and uh, uh, snatches away some of like the B plus free agent options, and and that seems to be, you know, that's kind of what I hope they do because I think that's how they would get the best bang for their buck, uh, you know, using the space available and then being able to go over the cap to sign the restricted guys. Right, and then last last summer when they drafted Luca. And they were going into free agency. I I made the comment that, you know, maybe now they don't have to go for those super superstars anymore in, in free agency. You know, you can. At the time, I was saying that you'd like to hope that Luca and Dennis are those guys, and then you can build around them, and, uh, you know, ha- just that can be your team focus going forward. But. You know, you have to at least do your due diligence on a guy like Kevin Durant, even if you do think, you know, uh, Luka is your superstar going forward. It doesn't hurt at all to to add the, probably the greatest scorer in NBA history. Could be the greatest scorer in NBA history one day. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think they'll uh, – They'll swing for the fences early, but I think they'll move on move on from that quickly. And uh, if they don't think they have a good chance to get a big guy like Kevin Durant or Kawhi Leonard or even Kyrie Irving, somebody like that, they'll just take the approach that, hey, Luka's our guy. We'll get some of these other, like you said, B-plus guys that are a really good fit for our team, and we're going to go out there and have some fun this season. No, yeah, I think Kirk makes an excellent point with the whole waiting around thing and, and, and seizing opportunities and using the cap space wisely because, I mean, even the idea of signing a restricted free agent or attempting to sign a restricted free agent kind of scares me a little bit. Like, if you want to go out and try and get, say, Malcolm Brogdon, for example, 
you have to wait three or four days before you know one way or the other whether Milwaukee's going to match, and then your money's tied up. Yep. So, I mean, the idea of that also really scares me in, in the way the free agent market's going to play out, <clears throat> especially because, you know, this is one of – we don't know what the free agent market's going to look like next year. We kind of have an idea right now of what this year is going to be, and a, a year like this is not going to come around again and at least to this level because i mean if you look at all the, the guys that you have on the market right now like clay thompson Kyrie irving kimball walker you know uh chris middleton all these guys and the k team they all start with k i didn't I realize that until you started talking about it that's amazing <laughs> no yeah i mean dalton and, and uh, fish and i joke around we call it playing k sometimes i mean it's there's so many guys with letter k it's ridiculous but you know, you, you have to you have to go in thinking you, you have to go in with the game plan like, okay, we've heard through back channels that this guy and this guy and this guy aren't interested and now we have to move on to, you know, an Aminu, a, a Bogdanovich, whatever, just so you're not tied up waiting around seeing what happens and then everybody goes away. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I don't know. I, I think that like Kirk said earlier, realistically, what you would hope for is that you know they whatever they do, they need to do it quickly. They need they they don't need to wait around because that's the worst case scenario is if they wait around for one of the top tier guys while the second tier guys are signing elsewhere, and then you know when you're looking for a rebounder, you end up overpaying a guy like Willie Colley Stein. That. <laughs> That would that would be the worst. Don't scare me, Dalton. <laughs> that would be one of the like the worst case scenarios, and I mean I think we talked about this with Fish, Matt, and I did uh, a few episodes ago about if it came to that. I mean I think a guy like Collie Stein could could work in Dallas, but you you don't want it to get to that point. If it does get to that point, their plans failed miserably. Absolutely. (laughs) Just branching off of that, uh, what do you guys think of of Dirk potentially coming back for a NBA record-setting 22nd season? I mean, you think – obviously he he says it depends on how his body feels after the season. He feels like he's been saying that for five years now. And he looks like he feels – pretty dang good right now i mean he's he's averaged almost 13 points per game since being inserted as a starter again uh i mean do you, do you think free agency or how the draft turns out in free agency would have any kind of uh pull with dirt making his decision or uh, what do you think kirk i i really do think that free agency and draft will play a part i do think he's like 90 percent out the door and I think that he, if I'm him, I think that getting, you know, tout, you know, basically getting treated like like a mascot is probably a little, you know, he, I'm sure he likes it on the one hand because it's nice to be recognized, but some of this stuff is getting a little over the top. Um, you know, he, he, he didn't ask for any of this. He's not out there you know, parading around like Dwayne Wade, who's, you know, I said last night that he, Dwayne Wade is behaving like somebody who is getting married for the second time. <laughs> And he wants to prove to everyone that he's so happy. So he has a hashtag and all this crap associated with it. It's just driving me crazy. Whereas Dirk is just, you know, Dirk wants to play basketball. He should have played more for longer. You know, the Lord knows Rick Carlisle, the most stubborn man in the universe, needs to have all his toys taken away from him before he'll consider playing Dirk. Um, and, and, you know, it, I don't know if he should come back. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't begrudge him. I think that it would be super awkward, which at this point I sort of am rooting for because I think that's funny, Uh, uh, just like the awkwardness of what would happen. I'm getting a little tired of hearing from people who don't watch the Mavericks about how bad he looks. He looked bad. He looks fine now. They know how to use him. He just needs more than, you know, three-minute bursts. And it's, you know, there's these options. There's these things that have happened over the game. The Cleveland game really stands out where, you know, certain players, <laughs> Luca won't pass him the ball. 
So I don't know, you know, what he's <laughs> supposed to do about some of these things when he's not putting up statistics, when he's not getting the opportunity. I don't think he comes back, but, uh, you know, the, the deep, dark part of my heart really hopes that we just, you know, he just keeps rolling out there until he's, you know, 60 years old. Well, and Matt, well, I'll, I'll ask you too. You can finish us up here with your, your thoughts on it too. But me personally, I think he's going to come back at this point because, and the reason I say that, I think he was really, really bummed out that he ended up missing so much time earlier this I think it was 26 games he missed uh, before he finally got some action. Then when he came back, he he was playing one night, not playing the next, and he just wasn't himself. I think before the season, even though he wasn't going to announce it, he kind of had it in his head like, okay, this is this is probably my last ride. But then when all that happened, it was just like, man, this really sucks. Like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not getting to go out on my terms, really. I mean, I, I think even if they end up with a couple of second-tier guys in, in free agency, at this point and how he looks right now, uh, I think he's going to come back because unless he has another injury in these last 20 games like he did last year and he ended up having to have the uh, ankle surgery, unless he has an injury come up like that, I think he's going to try to have a strong summer, uh, you know, come back not injured to start the season and, you know, get in the flow of things a little bit earlier and try to contribute next year. Matt, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I I kind of agree with, you know, the whole thing about he didn't get to, he wasn't really able to come in and, and finish on his terms, so to speak, and it's not only because of the injury. It's I I legitimately believe he didn't know necessarily coming into the season whether or not it was going to be his last one because I mean Dirk's a very honest guy, you know, if he says he wants to come in and see how his body feels, I I believe it. It's not he's not Brett Favre. I'll put it that way. So, so, you know, when, when he when he comes in and says things like that and then, you know, he he starts he starts coming down, you know, the final stretch of the season playing like this, it it gives me a lot of hope. But also, I think that the NBA is like almost trying to force his hand. Like, like we keep posting that that gift from the office with the with you know Michael pushing the old guy out the door. It's like it's it's kind of like that, and, and it's it's that was they're perfect. Doing it, they're doing it in a way where they're trying to pair him with Dwayne Wade, which honestly it's 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 kind of it, it it's a dick move. It's like, increasingly insulting. Like, yeah, as, I mean, it, as we move along, like it was cute once, it's not anymore. Yeah, yeah, and I don't, I don't think, think he wants, wants that. that. Like, like I, I, I think, think he wants, wants to go out on his own terms, in you know, on the court. But also, like, he doesn't want to be like paired and remembered with Dwayne Wade for the rest of his life. I, don't think. I was going to tell Kirk, Matt. You told me, I think it was a few weeks ago, that uh, Dwayne Wade. One of the reasons he's being as dramatic as he is, he's filming a documentary about this. So I I don't know if I don't know if you knew that Kurt, but when I found oh, out yeah, about it's the, it's the it's the Ken Burns Dwayne Wade documentary. It's gonna be like thirty six <laughs> hours long. Yeah, yeah thirty six hours of him throwing the ball in the air and exchanging jerseys and all that shit. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, it's it's obnoxious. But like Dirk doesn't Dirk doesn't want to go into the Hall of Fame with this guy. I don't think he wants to just. And I, he I also don't think he wants to go on this whole farewell tour across the NBA where, like, every time he touches the ball, like, I mean, you called him a mascot, Kirk. And I, I had the same kind of thought process earlier in the year. I mean, he was almost like a sideshow, even at the American Airlines Center. It's like every time he touches the ball, people are like, oh, my God, here we go, it's Dirk. It's like, just let the dude play basketball. Yep. And I, and I don't know whether he's going to get that or if it's going to be worse next year. But if if as far as him personally finishing his career, I think he'd rather end it at least try to end it going into next year with a team who he feels can really be competitive and that he doesn't even necessarily have to have huge contributions. Like he could, you know, I don't know how they would do the minutes, whatever. He's going to be 47,000 years old, but like we have to, we have to consider that he wants to be a part of a good team one more time before he goes out. 
Well, I, I just had an idea. This is a totally novel idea. What he could do is he could step away next year, go to TNT, broadcast games, be terrible at it, and then rejoin the Mavs <laughs> in 2021. <laughs> is that a good idea? Can we do that? I don't think that Dirk is capable of being as bad as Jason Witten at anything. So, but I, I like where your head's at, though. Hey, hey, whatever, man. The the Mavs they'll be further along in their development at that point. He may have a <laughs> a better chance <laughs> at a like ring. This idea. <laughs> He'll have bionic knees at that point. Don't <laughs> right. But, but yeah, that. Like I said, I. I don't know. That's just my feeling. I feel like he's going to come back because he, one, he missed so many games. I think he wants to try and put together more of a complete season if he can. Uh, Chris Stops Porzingis is there. Uh, Tim McMahon uh, said something in one of his re- recent pieces Recent pieces that uh, uh, Chris Stops Porzingis is like kind of quietly – trying to talk him into coming back next season. Uh, so I, I think I think it's probably going to happen. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see. But Damn, you might have just talked me into this one. <laughs> yeah. okay. I'll, I'll yeah, see. I mean, Chris Stapps did grow up idolizing Dirk, and he wants to at least get on the court with him a couple times, I think, before Dirk retires. So maybe we'll have some sort of an, you know, an impact. The no, the no lateral movement lineup between him, Doncic, and Dirk. <laughs> like three tall. Like, Get your arms out. None of you can move side to side. I, I, I think it was Kirk that mentioned on on Twitter earlier in the year, and I, I kind of stole it last night uh, during the Mavs game, where uh, Luca with baby giraffe legs on defense. Like, can, can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine that lineup? It's it's hard to be too it's hard to be too critical of Luca's defense when like Dennis had the same problem and then all of a sudden Dennis was like, oh wow you're not terrible at this so I, I have faith but yes it, it is very much one of those things where it's, I, it would be so incredible to watch those three together I don't know what I would do like I'm just so this year is like probably the most fun I've had as a sports fan in a long time because like everything that happens feels just like joy. And so I, I'm really trying to, like, keep my expectations rather low because if it works out that way, like, that would just be so awesome. Not to mention, 41 playing, you know, he's four, number 41 playing at age 41, playing in his 22nd year. The Mavs would have the ability to do all sorts of Taylor Swift, you know, tie-ins. It would be excellent. I, I'm really full. Like, okay, I'm sold on this idea. Dirk's coming back. Good work. We did it. <laughs> all of Europe would be on the Mavericks' side. I mean, there's not a country in Europe who would cheer against the Mavericks at that point. We're Europe South right now. From the McMahon piece, this is exactly what he said. He said, Porzingis, who is considered Nowitzki an idol while a kid, has quietly lobbied the 14-time All-Star to come back next season so they can play together. It's a, consi- it's a consideration for Nowitzki, but his focus now is on the daily grind required to give himself a chance to finish the season on a high note. So, okay. I mean, that... That's what gave me a lot of hope. <laughs> I mean, Dalton, you texted me that earlier, and I almost, like, I was driving my car. Uh, I was I was at the vet, and I was driving my car home, and I almost drove off the road. Like, I was like, oh, my God, it's happening. It's actually going to happen. Because, I mean, I don't – how can – Dirk, how can you disappoint, like, your basically your stepson? I mean, that would just be a, that would just be a bad look. Well, we're going to – we'll all hope for that. Uh, Kirk, he just – he put out a piece on Mavs Moneyball today, kind of – telling everybody to pump the brakes so to speak on you know forcing Dirk out the door everybody's everybody's trying to do that right now and they 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 really just need to enjoy what they what they know they have left 20 games left if that's all we have left we need to enjoy the heck out of it because it's been it's been a good ride and if this is it you want him to finish strong yeah i mean i can't think of a better way to put it it's it's every game that passes um especially home games that passes it's just like it's you, you have to like you, in our position where we're we're, we're credentialed and you know we have the ability to do the things that we do from like going into the locker room and being around the team and stuff it's like every time you pass up on one more opportunity to be around Dirk you're just like it you got to take advantage of it because we don't know what's coming next right well 
that that's probably going to do it for this episode, guys. Kirk, we really appreciate you coming on and chatting with us a little bit. We'll definitely have to do it again sometime down the road. Uh, we appreciate you coming on with us. Sure thing, guys. Appreciate it. It was fun. Yep. We'll talk to you later, buddy. We appreciate all you guys for listening. As always, uh, be sure to like, rate, and subscribe to our podcast. You know, we're pretty much everywhere now. Uh, Matt, he he set up a YouTube channel here recently, so you can find us there too. Uh, can't tell you guys how much we we appreciate the support. As always, uh, you know, we we wouldn't be able to keep coming back every week and. Uh, doing this if if we didn't have all of you tuning in and uh, giving us all the listens and the support that you do so thank you again we really appreciate it matt you have anything to add uh not really uh we again we really appreciate everything we're gonna have more guests uh like kirk coming up here in the near future as well so keep an eye out for that and um and also for our work on dallasbasketball.com uh, we really work hard to bring you good content there too. Uh, David Lord has a really good piece out right now about the Mavs uh, trade exception, which is the largest in NBA history. So uh, that's cool. Go check that out. And Dalton's piece on organic tanking and the lottery odds and all that stuff is a really good read as well. So um, go check that, those out when you have a chance. Yep. And like I said, just can't thank you enough for the support. You guys have a great weekend, and we'll see you next week. The master best on the flow. I'm wild, but yeah, I'm the goat. This gang get cold. Yeah, you might need a coach. Your friends turn into your foe. But I'ma just roll. Gotta keep rolling your boat. Yeah, I swear I give them hope. I say I'm cleaner than the soap. This time of year proves who a really single float. For yeah, real. it's the Mavericks. All about action. Don't do no action. No Samuel Jackson. Dirk at the ball. You know that it's magic. Post move deadly. Yeah, get tragic. Yeah, it's the Mavericks. All about action. Don't do no action. No Samuel Jackson. Dirk at the ball. You know that it's magic. Post move deadly. Yeah, get tragic. You know, in this game, it's a lot of grit. You know what I'm saying? Proves who has integrity. Late nights, early mornings, but we all want the trophy at the end of the day. And that's the beauty of this game, because at the end of the day, only the real gonna float, man, for real. You either sink or you float, only the real gonna float. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G, because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters, the more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.